I've said this before, but uh, it's not to be bragging or boastful. We're, we're supposed to brag or boast. The Bible says to do it in the Lord, but uh, you can't tell. I've been working out. Glad Linda at least laughs at me. Uh, no, actually, I have been getting, I, I got a gym membership earlier this month, and uh, it's been really good. I feel, helps me feel good about myself, and I encourage, uh, you know, pastors here for spiritual, you know, well-being and encourage you and all that, but um, we are mind, body, and spirit, right? So you need a good mind, you know, a lot of people can't work on their spiritual health if their mental well-being is not doing well, right? You ever done that? It's like, I don't even know how to pray right now. My mind's just in such a loop. Well, uh, sometimes we focus on the mind. Sometimes we focus on our spiritual life. Uh, when your body is, you're taking care of your body, it does actually help those other components too. And so I do encourage you. I think, um, I think it was on Tuesday when I prayed online, I mentioned this, that it's a good thing to evaluate. How am I doing in my, my body? How am I doing in my um, spirit? And then how am I doing in my mind? And, and evaluate those things and see if there's something you need to work on. I say that, I say that because I, I'm thinking about how we do grow, and it is much like uh, when, when we work out. See, when, when I'm in the gym and, my, and the trainer's saying, okay, now I want you to lift this weight or I want you to stretch this weight, for me, I, I don't really mind lifting the weights. It's when she asks me to stretch, like, I'm just so stiff. It hurts more almost to stretch than it does to lift something. And so uh, it, it hurts. It hurts my body. And life is sometimes like that. See, my desire in going to the gym is so that I can get stronger. My desire and my faith is that I would get stronger. But sometimes the strength doesn't come unless I go through the test, and the test causes me pain. Actually, James, one of my favorite verses is James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, where it says, Consider, consider it Pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because this is the testing of your faith. Trials are the testing of your faith. And yet, here, James is telling us to consider it joy when we're going through hardships. Last week, I preached about worry, because we're going through these commands and teachings of Jesus, right? And Jesus simply says, do not worry. Actually, do not be afraid, which I think... Fear and worry are often hand in hand. Fear, worry comes when we're afraid. And do not be afraid or do not worry. This is one of the most commanded things throughout all of Scripture, from the first book of Genesis to the last book of Revelation, and everything in between. If we took a total of which command throughout the whole Bible is given the most, it's do not be afraid. And some of you, right in, in your mind, you can recite verses like, do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you you will go, you know, and he tells Joshua these types of things, he tells Moses these things, he tells David these things, he tells, and then Jesus tells us these things, and then the Apostle Paul tells us these things. And we see throughout Scripture this consistent message, hey, people, don't worry, don't be afraid, and yet, have you ever had someone, when you're in the middle of a crisis, just tell you, don't worry about it? <laughs> so Jesus, you're just telling me not to worry about it? Like, I need more than that. We talked about this last week. We talked about this last week. And last week, in last week's message, we looked at one passage in Matthew uh, chapter 6 where Jesus talks about uh, not worrying. And he ends that passage about not worrying by saying, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and then all these things will be added unto you. So if you feel like you're lacking something in your life, don't go after those things that you feel are lacking in your life. Go after the kingdom of God. Go after Jesus. Go after your heavenly father. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you seek first his kingdom, then the rest will take care of itself. That was last week's message. I, I, some of you weren't here. It was really good. I preached really well. Go back and listen to it again. All right, stop patting myself on the back. I know I'm going a little too far today. We're talking about working out and preaching real well. I'm just like you guys. I struggle too. I go through troubles as well. And someone telling me, just don't worry about it, doesn't really fix the problem. So we need to learn how not to worry. If someone tells me to do something, the next question I ask, well, how am I going to do that? Help me know how to do this. So let's see what the scripture says about that. First scripture we're going to look at is found in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 17. And we're going to go to verse 30. So I'm just going to read through this. And it says, Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings and uh, as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles, but they will arrest you. And do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, for the spirit of your father will be speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and child will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. And all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Sam preached this once upon a time. You remember that in the basement of the church? When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough It is enough for the student to be like his teacher or the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will the members of the household? And then he says, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who can kill both body and but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart for the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Three times here. Jesus says, do not be afraid. The context is this, is that um, it's going to get pretty bad. It's going to get pretty bad for the disciples. And not only that, the Bible kind of tells us, if you choose to become a disciple as well, which we have by following Jesus, it's going to get sometimes pretty bad for you. 
even as far as he talks about brother against brother and child against their parents. And listen, it, sometimes family tension comes when one person's a believer and the other person's not. And Jesus still says, don't be afraid. And then he actually, I think, starts to clue into how. Because that's my question, right? Someone can say, don't be afraid. But then you're like, well, how? And he talks about how are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet one of them will fall, will, of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are worth more than many sparrows. You're worth something to God. God notices everything that happens in this world. God even sees when a bird falls to the ground. You are even more, worth more than a bird. He cares for you. He, you are valuable to him. So how do you know how to overcome worry? First, you need to see that you are worth something. You are valuable to him. You are loved by him. Often we can do this by counting our blessings. You know you are worth something when you see you, the things that have a value around you. So for me, like when I'm in the pits, when I'm struggling, I thank God for the things that I can see around me. He must love me. He's given me a beautiful wife. He must love me. Look at my children. And there have been times in my life where I remember even struggling when I couldn't count those as a blessing. I remember when Amy Beth was delivering Joel. Amy Beth is delivering Joel. And she's been in labor for over 24 hours. And the heart rate of Joel's heart rate starts to go down. And they can't find it. And the monitor, I'm in the room with Amy Beth, and there's no doctors at this time. And the monitor goes, for Joel's heart rate, goes disappear. We can't find the heart rate. I leave the room. I push the button. Nobody's coming. You know the emergency button in the hospital room? You guys know what I'm talking about if you've ever been in a hospital. Push the emergency And nobody's answering. Normally there's someone there. Hello, how can we help you? How can we assist you? Nobody's coming. Nobody's answering. So I run out the room to go tell someone. I tell them what, what's happening. They all run in. Next time, next thing I go back, I told you there was no one in the room. There was like four doctors and six nurses, it seemed, in the room. And so you can imagine, this is my first child. And um, just for some context, we had already had a miscarriage at this point. And to give some more context, uh, obviously I have five kids. You guys know how much I wanted to be a dad. But at this point, put... I know after the fact, it's easier to say, well, you got what you wanted. You're a dad. You know, like you figured it out. But in this moment here, my heart's longing is to be a dad. And we've already been suffered once through a miscarriage, and that was heartbreaking enough. And now it looks like it's all going to happen all over again, but maybe even worse with a stillborn baby. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there. And it's some of the hardest stuff to ever deal with. I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that. And e 
when I thought they told me they got to do an emergency C-section or they could lose both Amy Beth and Joel. I said, God, you're all I got. You are all I have. I don't know if you've ever been there. I'm telling you this story because it's the one time thing I can think of the time I was there. And I had to pray, Lord, you're, every, you're all I have. Oh, thank you, Linda. Linda, you're so nice. I got Linda on my side. I got, every, I got lots of blessings. So anyways, if you feel like you have nothing, if you feel like you have nothing, Jesus says, you're still worth something to him. He is enough. You can count your blessing that he is with you. So number one, uh, I would say uh, on how to overcome um, the worry. No, number one is to count your blessings. I remember my Auntie Erica. Uh, she would tell me, that's my mom's sister, is my Auntie Erica. And uh, she would uh, hear the complaints of others, and she would say to them straight to their face, and I remember her saying this at certain points, it's like, well, could be worse. You could be a starving child in Africa. Now, for the, back in the time, time when we watched commercials, remember those infomercials that would come on TV of World Vision or whatever? I mean, we rarely watch commercials anymore. People just record their DVRs or they stream stuff, you know, on Netflix. But we used to watch commercials. Some of you still watch the evening news and see commercials. But uh, even the infomercials, they don't show those infomercials unless you're watching it wee hours of the night that you probably shouldn't be watching anymore. And and you'd see a kid from World Vision or something, and, you know, it's they always show the, the, saddest, the saddest kid who's got a bloated stomach and flies around his face. And I'm not trying to, um, you know, not bring any significance to those. Those kids are important to the Lord as well. What my aunt was saying was, we've got first world problems. You ever heard that saying? I'm sure you have. You start worrying about the things in your life, it changes quickly when you compare your blessings in your life to the struggles of others. And you know what the reality is? I remember going to Ecuador as an 18-year-old kid, and we would drive down the highway, and we would see an open dump, right? Like, this is not like the, the dumps in our town, which are, like, hidden behind the trees, and, 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 the, and, the, and then they cover the dump with, 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 with soil so that it's under the ground, right? That's what we do in our country. In, in Ecuador, they throw their dump, the, their garbage, into an open field. And we'd drive by, and we would see kids picking through other people's garbage for a meal, Right? Like, this is real stuff. And yet, you know what I remember about the attitude of those children and the adults and their parents? They didn't worry. They were filled with love. It shocked me. It's one reason why I became a pastor. Because I realized how privileged. I don't need to chase money. We're so blessed in our country. So, okay, anyways, number one is recognize how blessed you are. Count your blessings. Next passage found in, uh, in 
this is a very similar passage, Luke 12, 4 to 7. It says this, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I tell you, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing of the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And then he says this again. Uh, are you are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are not are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So again, this is like a parallel scripture. But at one point, I pointed out the fact that you're worth something to God, and so count your blessings. Um, but but set, point two is part back about who we should fear. We should fear the one who can also put us in hell. So what, what, what is he saying there? So to overcome fear, I believe point number two is to focus on eternity. When I was dying of Lyme's disease, I'm telling a lot of stories about myself today. When I was dying of Lyme's disease, I was in the uh, hospital and uh, they were in the ICU, you know, intensive care unit. They were putting a pacemaker into my heart because my heart was stopping. My heart wasn't functioning right. Like they had the pads on me ready to shock me, but they were putting a pacemaker to keep my heart going because of this Lyme's disease that was on me. And I remember thinking, if I close my eyes right now, maybe I'll open them in heaven. Now, that's my eternal perspective. I had a lot of peace as I was literally dying. Now, I didn't see a bright light. I know some people who had, you know, like the near-death experience, saw the bright light, saw the tunnel, heard voices, all that stuff, which is amazing. You can read, hear, hear people's testimonies about that and read wonderful books about that stuff. But for me, even just having the peace, knowing that if I were to die, is important. And so, uh, if you want to eliminate worry in your life, number one was count your blessings. Number two is think eternal. Think about eternity. Get your mind on things above. Doesn't the New Testament tell us, set our minds on things above? All right, next verse is found in Mark. Mark chapter 13. Verse 10 and 11 says this. And the gospel must be first preached to all nations. Wherever you are arrested or brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just as uh, just say what is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. So, remember in the passage, in uh, the first passage we read in Matthew, Jesus talked about how they were going to be arrested and put before people. And so this is another parallel passage where Jesus is teaching the same thing, is that as a follower of Jesus, you might go through hard times, you might even be arrested, and you might have people come against you. And he even says, you know, the, so in Matthew pass, the Matthew passage, he says, some of them called me Beelzebub, which is like the name of the devil. They're going to call you the devil as well. And yet, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. But what, what does he say here in Mark? He says, don't worry even what you're going to say, because the Holy Spirit will, will be speaking through you. For it is not you speaking, in verse 11, it says, it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. You want to overcome worry in your life, even in the worst circumstances. Have any of you been arrested? Hopefully not. If you have, I'm not judging you, but know this. The disciples were arrested. And Jesus told them, in that moment, 
rely on the words from the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been mocked because of your faith? Maybe. I know I have. And rather than thinking of a witty comeback, I think the, the response is to trust the Holy Spirit. And in fact, he will give you the right words to say. Again, he's telling us, don't be afraid in these circumstances. He's giving us some of the worst circumstances when it comes to being a Christian, like persecution. But the reality is, I think this translates into all circumstances where we might be worried. It might be like because your, your, your relationships are suffering, your finances are suffering. Um, you might be depressed, you might be lonely, you might struggle. And, and, and here's the answer that Jesus gives to his followers when they're in the worst of the worst situation. He says, rely on the words from the Holy Spirit. And so point three is, we need to trust in the Holy Spirit to help us in our times where we are feeling anxiety and worry and fear. Trust in the Holy Spirit. I see Margaret making notes. Thank you, Margaret. So you got... Point one, count your blessings. Point two, think eternal. Point three, trust the Holy Spirit. Point four is going to be found in the scripture that I read to you for the call to worship. The call to worship was found in Matthew. Sorry, hold on. i got to find it here myself. Matthew chapter 28. Last chapter of Matthew, verse 20. Actually, let's read verse 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. This is one reason why we're doing this sermon series on, on the teaching and commands of Jesus, right? Because he, he wants us to be teaching his teachings and his commands. And so this is why we're talking about worry today, because Jesus talked about it. But when Jesus tells us to teach about his teachings, he gives us a how-to. So he doesn't only say, uh, don't worry, but he tells you how-to and by putting this on the end. So here, teach them everything, and this is how they're going to get through. And I think you can get through any teaching of the Lord knowing this. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Knowing that Jesus is with us helps us overcome worry. You want to overcome worry in your life? Trust that Jesus is with you. I've been with people who've had some of the worst of worst things happen to them in their lives. How do you tell someone who's a victim of rape not to worry? You know what they need? They don't need their pastor telling them not to worry. They need Jesus. To know that Jesus is with them even in their suffering. I heard it said recently, you know what they did to Jesus? They put him on a cross naked. And you know when we put Jesus on a cross, like you see a Catholic crucifix, they put Jesus on a cross. He's always got his, his undergarments, right? Guess what the Bible tells us? They were selling his undergarments. Jesus knows what it's like to be humiliated that way. Jesus suffered. He was whipped and lashed and beaten and mocked. Remember when he's on the cross, they make fun of him as they're abusing him. And so when we're dealing with 
people who've been victims of any kind of hardship and some of the worst of the worst, we can tell them, Jesus is there with you. And I know some people want to hear that Jesus will deliver them out of those situations, but, but the journey of this life, uh, Hartley actually sent me a, a video this, this week, and, it, and the teacher in the video was saying, you know, the purpose of our trials in this life is to show that compared to eternity, this earth is hell. You know what I've heard it said? For some of us, this is the closest to hell we will ever get. Really? It will. But no, you know, Pastor, weren't you just talking about counting your blessings? It's true. For some people, this is the closest to heaven they will ever get. Because they're going to hell. Because they're choosing an evil life. They're rejecting God and choosing their own way. And the Bible says that that will lead them to hell. So to them, they're living for this life. And for this life, this is the closest thing to heaven they'll ever get. But if we who choose to live for eternity, what we will recognize that even in our sufferings, that's the closest to hell we will ever get. Because our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus suffered the way we suffered. And Jesus is with us even to the very end of the age. Do you trust that Jesus is with you even to the very end of the age? So point number four is that Jesus is with us in our suffering. Last point. Last point to overcome worry in our lives. Um, John chapter 14, verse 1 and verse 27. Jesus says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's verse 1. Verse 27, he says... Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. He's saying again, don't be afraid, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts worry, right? When your hearts are troubled, you're worried. And what's his solution? Verse 1 tells us his solution is to put our trust in God. So point number 5 is this, that we need to trust when we're troubled. Listen, just because I say, as Christians, and Jesus tells us not to worry, doesn't mean we're not going to be troubled at some times. But during the times where we're troubled, in order to eliminate worry, we need to have stronger trust. You know, I, I, this is one thing I hate to do to people, too, is just to tell them, just believe. Right? Like, does that, that's kind of almost like saying, don't worry, Right? But when you, use, you substitute that word belief for trust, I think there's something more tangible. When you trust in something, you kind of go to your previous experiences. You kind of rely on moments where you did put your hope and your trust in God before and he delivered you. There was a reason why as Israelites were moving through the, the desert and, and, and through the Red Sea and, and crossing the Jordan and into the Promised Land, God sometimes told them to put up markers along the way. Why? To remind them of what the Lord had done previously. And the, 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 what they were supposed to do was to teach their children what God had done for them to deliver them from the Israelites. And so they were putting up stones as monuments so that they would remember the things the Lord has done. And we, when we are troubled, when our hearts are troubled, we need to remember the monuments in our lives that where we first put our trust in God and how God helped us in those times. Remember the times God has been with you. Trust when you are troubled. John chapter 15. 
verse 15. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you what you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Okay, so I don't want to just tell you to believe, but trust is, I think, a good substitute for that word believe. But here's the reality. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Our church motto is to live and love like Jesus. I believe if we're truly loving like Jesus, we will have less worry in our lives. The times where I've been troubled the most is when I've needed the most love. I remember some of the situations that I told you about what Amy Beth and I have been through. And that's when people showed up in our lives and showed us the most love. If you are struggling, if you have worry, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you have thoughts that are rampant, that cause you anxiety, and you don't know how to share those thoughts, please find someone in your life who loves you. Know that God loves you. Share your thoughts with Him. Cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. This is what the New Testament tells us. Cast all your cares upon Him, because he cares for you. It's love. This is, Jesus says, John 15, verse 17, this is my command. Love each other. It's love that covers a multitude of sin. It's love that's going to help us eliminate worry and fear and anxiety. It's truly what we need more of in order to do the teachings that Jesus taught us to do. And this isn't just a love that we just receive. You know, some of us are all about wanting to receive love. This is about a giving love, about doing to others as you would have them do unto you. And some of you, some of us, when we think of that verse, we say, well, nobody did it for me, so how can you expect me to do it for them? No, 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 you start the cycle. You start being the one who gives the love and, and watch it be returned to you. You start pouring love into other people's loves and see how they will respond and desire to pour that back onto you. And sometimes people's hearts are so hard and broken. By you starting to pour love into their life, it starts breaking their hearts even more. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God wants that. That God desires a broken and contrite heart, a broken spirit. That God won't reject someone when they're broken before him because that's when they can, that's when God's love can actually start to infiltrate their heart through that brokenness. God cannot penetrate a heart of stone, a hard heart. He wants soft hearts before him. Soften your hearts. Allow people into your life so that you can experience the love of God and then perfect love will start casting out fear. The people who I see in this life who are the most worried people who have the most fear in their life, are often the ones who push other people away. Isn't this true? June, we know people, don't we? 
who they don't want to talk to people. They want to be by themselves, and they just push other people away. And we just keep trying to love and trying to love and trying to love and break through that heart because we know that the only solution to their worry, to their fear, to their anxiety is that we love them. Don't give up, June. Keep doing it. <laughs> June said, I am. Praise the Lord. And it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm picking on my sister, June, because I know we're in it together in terms of June's been faithful during this pandemic, especially to try and encourage some of the some of the people in our church who are struggling with loneliness, struggling. And um, and I know there's people online where you've done the same. You've tried to encourage people uh, who need it. And um, I just want to ask in this moment right now, if you've been alone over the past two years, maybe even before the pandemic, and your church family's disappointed you, I'm sorry. People do fall through the cracks. Um, there's a saying that squeaky wheels get the grease, right? Like you kind of just go to the greatest need at the time. And sometimes there are greater needs, but they're just not loud enough, and so the people suffer in silence. And as I've preached upon worry, my mind and my heart has thought about that often, about how there's probably a lot of people who are suffering, and we don't even know about that suffering. And to those people, I do want to apologize, and I would say, please forgive me as your pastor. Please forgive your church as your church family. We love you, but it is really, the, the reality is this, it's really hard to love and minister to people when, you, when you're suffering in silence. Please tell us. It helps so much to be able to help you if you tell us that you're suffering. And we will do our best in the power of the Holy Spirit to be with you. I say that in the power of the Holy Spirit, just like the scripture we read today. We might not know what to say, right? And, and one of our greatest fears, one of my greatest fears as a pastor uh, is to say the wrong thing. And I'm doing hospice training right now, and I know some of our people in our church are in hospice. And when you're, hospice is being with, their, with people who are dying, right? And when people are dying, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to say the wrong thing. Well, here's the truth. is The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will tell us the right things to say. And sometimes we just need to be there with people, right? And we can't be there with you if we don't know your suffering. So please let us know if you are suffering from fear, anxiety, or depression. I should also plug that in the past, um, we have, uh, we've used our benevolent fund to support people who need professional counseling. Like as a church, we know that these truths, to count our blessings, to think about eternity, to trust in the Holy Spirit, um, and to uh, know that Jesus is with us in our suffering, and to trust him when we're troubled, those things really do help us eliminate worry. But the reality is those are spiritual things, and sometimes there's physical and mental things that need to be dealt with as well. And uh, as a trained pastor, I am not a trained psychologist or counselor. And so when it comes to physical chemicals in the brain, or when it comes to um, uh, giving, uh, you know, like mental advice, uh, I don't do those things. I help people in their spiritual life. And so, uh, but, but we as a church, right, Susie, we want to help people if you need, um, you need doctors, if you need professional counselors. Sorry, I'm crying because I don't want people to suffer without help. And too long, for too long, people do. So please reach out to us if you're someone who needs help. And, and we will do our best to help you. We've done it before in the past, and I, and I want to continue to do that. You say, Pastor, do you need help? Once in a while, I do. I do need help once in a while. I'm just crying because I'm, I'm, I'm 
I love my church and I want to see us, uh, I want to see worry and fear eliminated in Jesus' name. I believe there's a spirit of fear over the church. COVID has definitely brought a spirit of fear into the church. And we're supposed to be the people who are not troubled. We're supposed to be the people who do not worry. These these are Jesus' command. And, And I believe Jesus lays out how we can overcome these things, but we have to do it together. We cannot do it alone. Let's pray against the spirit of fear. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit would bring us to a place where we can love each other through our troubles. Father God, we love you. But we are so thankful that your love is so powerful in our lives, that your love casts out our fears. And Lord, you call us to obey your command to love each other. And I believe that as you tell us in the Gospel of John to not let our hearts be troubled, you give us the solution through your command to love each other. But Lord, some people are struggling to even feel the love from you and feel the love from the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you would... You would soften hearts, Lord, that you would open doors, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to to draw people to you, Father, to experience your love. That they would know that you, Jesus, are there with them through every point of suffering in their life. That you suffered, as the Bible tells us, in every way, in every way that we suffered, that you have also suffered. And you can sympathize with us in our weakness. And actually... God, you tell us that when we are weak, when we are struggling, you are strong and that your strength becomes perfect in our weakness, which which means this is that it's not a bad thing to struggle, but we shouldn't continue to worry because what we need to do is to put our trust in you, God, and to be surrounded by the love of other Christians. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that we would love each other well. And Lord, I pray that if you, Holy Spirit, want to speak to us right now, if there's someone that we need to connect with and just pour love into their lives, I pray that you would put that person on our heart and mind now. Lord, maybe you're telling us to love our spouses better. Maybe you're telling us to talk to a sibling, a brother or a sister. Maybe you're, ta- you're asking us to call a neighbor or a friend or a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you want us to encourage us to, t- to love on our kids more, uh, to love on our grandkids more, whatever it might be. I pray that you would inspire us in this moment right now. Holy Spirit, speak. We give you permission to speak on who we might need to reach out to to help eliminate worry in their lives and thus also counting our blessings and and eliminate the worry in in our own lives. Heal our hearts this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to sing a song. And uh, I've always thought that sometimes we sing these songs that are way above our head, like uh, I Surrender All. Well, we're going to sing a song that says, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Very familiar old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And some of you might say, well, pastor, it's not well with my soul. But what I would say is sing it in faith, trusting that God in that moment, that even as you sing about these things, that God is healing your soul, that he's penetrating your heart, that you're softening your heart before him so that you can sing with us, It Is Well with my soul.